I'm a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyam, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, the Florida Gators are ranked. Yes, we are a, a, a mighty high rank, in my opinion. Like, if if uh, I do say so myself, I agree. I was, I, I for one was shocked, um, and mm-hmm. I don't mean Absolutely. that ironically. I was actually shocked. Um, <laughs> I thought we'd get ranked. I didn't know we'd go all the way up to number twelve in the AP poll. I was, I was expecting a twenty-two. You know, maybe a twenty-four. I feel like they're trying to humble us. I feel like they're trying to humble us when we go up against Kentucky next week. <laughs> Humble us against Kentucky. I've never heard that phrase uttered before in my life. But alas, we will get alive. to that. Um, <laughs> we, we will get to that in a bit, Tyler. Um, we have all of week one to recap. We have to preview uh, week two that's coming up. We, again, use our five wide and two-point segments to do those. And, of course, Tyler, we're going to talk about the Florida game against Utah. And we're going to talk about the Gator game against Kentucky coming up this Saturday. But before we do any of that, Tyler, we do have to address – the 12-team elephant in the room. See what I did there? Did you like what I did oh, there? I did. Huh? Uh-huh. Yes, because Alabama's going to win most of it. <laughs> I get I it. Didn't even, I wasn't even thinking that, but I like where Elephants. you're going, Tyler. Nice. <laughs> uh, the college football playoff is officially expanding. It is confirmed that it will expand. Now, the date in which that will happen is up in the air. They say at 2026, the latest, we will go from four teams in the college football playoff to 12 teams in the college football playoffs. Um, there's some negotiation. There's still some wiggle room, I should say, to see if they approve it to going as early as 2024 or as late as 2026, which is when it would be the first year that would officially happen because the college football playoff contract with ESPN, the television rights, expires after the 2025 playoffs. So that's why that number is being thrown out there. Uh, Really quickly, Tyler, before I want to ask you your opinion and what you think on it, just a quick rundown of the facts, right? 12 teams will be in the playoffs. The first four, uh, it'll be the sixth highest ranked conference champions, according to the college football playoff rankings, and then six at-large bids for a total of 12 teams. The six conferences, there's no specifics, right? So it's not power five champions plus an extra one. It's just the top six conference champions, um, which I personally like, but we'll get to in a bit. And then the top four seeds, the top four conference champions specifically, will receive a first-round bye. Those first-round games, the five seed against the 12 seed, the six seed against the 11 seed, and so on and so forth, will take place, Tyler, on college campuses. Praise Jesus and all the other gods too. Um. (laughs) Choose your deity and praise and give them some allegiance because, wow, that is, the, in my opinion, the biggest thing to come out of this expansion – Probably the most fun thing to come out of this expansion. Just a quick recap. Uh, after that first round, we will be getting the quarterfinals at bowl games, the semifinals at bowl games, and then the national championship game, as it is in the current four-team format, will be played at a neutral site. Tyler, it's a whole lot of information. It's the exact same proposal that we got last summer uh, before Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC derailed everything temporarily. What are your opinions? What are your thoughts? Okay. This, I didn't hear you mention this, but I believe it is also that the current proposal has them reseeding the teams after each round, which I think is ridiculous. But correct, um, I forgot, I did forget to mention that we're 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 advocates of the bracket. But yes, no, I mean like keep the bracket. Like if it it, it just doesn't make sense. But in, regardless of that, um, a big fan of this because again, you have to re you have to refocus yourself on uh, recenter you how we talk about college football. It's not the point of college football is not to win the national championship. It is for some teams. It is for a team that we're a fan of because um, they're in that bracket. 
this expansion doesn't make it easier for other teams to win uh, the championship. I mean, technically it does because it allows them to actually play for it. Um, but it's more about making a better playoff environment, better playoff games. Like Alabama's still probably going to, you know, get the number one seed and win most of these games or be in most of these championship games. It's not really about that to me. It's about the fact that now like group of five teams, because they said six power conference champions, um, a guaranteed group of five team is going to be playing every year. Um, that's huge. Uh, teams that could never even dream to chase the playoff can at least have a playoff game or a playoff victory in their in their you know record book now. I think this is going to make it more entertaining playoff series for us. I do think it's ridiculous that your reward for being a top four bracket and getting a bye week is to not play at home. Um, I do yeah, think that, the quarter- that, that does kind of not ruffle feathers, but it is a kind of a man. I kind of wish I know the athletic directors and the like finances at universities are going, man, you mean to tell me that our reward is to not make as much money as we can? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like I understand semifinals and like I, I advocate actually for semifinals in the national championship being, you know, both games or neutral sites. I, I'm, I'm fine with that system. But to, I don't like the idea that, like, as a Florida fan, I would actively be like, can we get the fifth seed so that I can go to a game in the Swamp? And, you know, like, I mean, yeah, you technically want the bye week and maybe it'd help. But I also, like, selfishly as a Florida fan, I'll be like, yeah, but I won't get to see the Gators play a playoff game in the Swamp if we if we get the bye week. Well, like, Im- immediately on the bucket list of games that we want to go to, at the top of the list now is – home playoff game at the swamp that is now officially yeah. at the number one bucket list item which because it's possible and this is especially helps a team that this is helps a team that we're a fan of because our team is even now currently in this realm of like i mean hey we're the number 12 ranked team right now like um it's it's gonna be i don't know it's gonna be fun like it's gonna be a thing where like a lot of people picked like utah or baylor to be like you know, dark horse playoff picks now this year. And it was always kind of like, yeah, but like, can it really happen? And now it's just like, oh, just handle your business. You, you can at least get a playoff game. Yeah, I think this will make it a more interesting, you know, end of the season for us. Like, and again, it's not really going to change my opinions about who the top two, three teams are. Cause that, that divide, I don't think is going away, but it's going to make all those other games interesting. Yeah, because I, and and I I agree with you a lot, Tyler. I really yeah. do. I I and I I want to say this. I tweeted this out on Friday when this announcement was made. I am begging you guys, begging the college football public to stop looking at the sport through the lens of the Alabamas, the Ohio States, and the Georgias. Please stop looking at and thinking everything nationwide, every level, every single team in college football has the exact same mindset and looks at the sport through the same lenses as those programs because it's not. I have dubbed those three programs semi-professional football. They are operating at such a level that it is impossible for a team that is not in that category or in the tier right below, which includes us, our Gator teams. We're not at that tier, but we are in the we're in that secondary tier where we could become those programs one day. The infrastructure is there. The potential is there, but we are not there yet. And what you said at the beginning of this description, Tyler, college football as a whole is not about winning the national championship. One of the one of the things that makes college football so wonderful, um, and we will talk about it when we get to five wide uh, recap this week, is the regionality, the rivalries, the importance of winning your conference and all of these things that have tradition and over 145, 150 years of history behind it. That's college football. Now. Yes, the national championship is the one thing here that everyone, you know, dreams and aspires to have, of course. But you cannot determine your success in a system that has over 130 teams in it now that we've had some FCS teams come up and say that my one goal is to win the national championship because you quite literally have less than 1% of of a chance, even if it's all distributed out evenly. To win the national title, your seasons and you as a fan have to accept that unless you are the Alabama, the Ohio States and the Georgias of the world, that is not a realistic thing to have. So in order to enjoy this sport and everything that comes with it, you have to look at it through a different lens. What this does, Tyler, is what you said earlier, makes the end of the season more competitive. Yes, if 
does the Florida game that we're going to talk about in a second, Utah losing that game, right? In the current system, their playoff chances are all but done. So yes, it puts more quote-unquote stakes on that game. But you could also look at it from the flip side on the other side of the coin. Losing that game doesn't mean that their season is quote-unquote over, right? It allows them to still be in it and more invested later on in the season. There's a reason that there's only X amount of programs whose fan bases are legitimately interested in November, like because so many things have kind of been decided. If you leave this open, you're getting more people available, more people excited. And for me, that's better for college football overall. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, but the blowouts, but this and that, whatever. I get it. I understand. But it's not like we don't have that thing now. You know, so what yeah. to me is the is the downside of having these on campus playoff games, having these other fan bases invested, having all of this more stuff that's coming with it. That's going to be more fun for the fans as an experience. To me, this was like one of those like last graphs of, oh, my gosh, the super conference era is coming. Oh, my gosh, we're going to have only two conferences with 40 teams in it and this and that or whatever. To me, this is one of those like, let's try to keep things a bit more calm maintain some of that tradition and see where it goes you know yeah a hundred percent i mean the thing we have to remember is that the reason the 14 playoff uh was created was not because there would be because every year there's four teams that could win a national championship the real reason is that in, in the previous system it was that you voted for two teams to get into the national championship game and on some years there was more than two teams that couldn't could win that game there's a third team that gets left out even though they're very clearly in that conversation. It existed for that reason, to be like, okay, if there are three teams worth it, we can allow them to figure that out themselves. Like, um, And this, again, it's like this is not going to change, in my opinion, in the immediate sense, who can actually win a national championship. But it is going to change who can – it's going to make the end of the season more competitive. And I, you know, I'm really for that. Um, yep. I agree. So, I think we're both on the same page there. So. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, yep. I, I do think, I don't know if it mentioned this. I think they're going to have to like, they're going to have to like maybe take some games off of the regular season schedule because like you can't be asking these kids to play more than a professional team's worth of season. I mean, they're going to because it's NAL, but they will, of course. And number two, you can, if they get a cut of the TV revenue anyway, moving forward, um, Tyler, week one was very fun, was very hectic, yes. was quite enjoyable, if you ask me. Um, a couple games that stood out to me just before we, you know, apart from the five wide games, but a couple games that uh, really stood out to me. The App State um, North Carolina game was insane. They get ended 63 to 61, all in regulation. Fantastic football game all the way around. Uh, NC State. Winning because the East Carolina kicker shanked an extra point and then missed the game-winning 41-yard field goal to win 21-20. to just, just heartbreaking on every step of the way. Houston pulling out a triple overtime victory at the, Super, at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio against UTSA, 37-35. Houston, um, UTSA coming back with like 25 seconds on the clock, going 80 yards to kick – um, to kick the game time field goal to go to overtime. Just incredible, incredible stuff all the way around. Um, just had some awesome fun games. Any games specifically stick out to you, or are you just ready to talk well, about those Anthony are actually Richardson? The big ones. I mean, like those are the huge, those are the crazy ones. Mm-hmm. I will say, amazing job, you know, Texas, San Antonio, Houston. What was that? We got questions. We, we got, got questions. We got to talk about that. I mean, like, amazing mm-hmm. that you're able to pull it out. Amazing. Right real toughness but like hmm um i don't know i in a very in a very possible other world they they don't even make it to overtime and that is an interesting question to be raising for houston um very very true uh especially a team that was supposed to be like the the class of the american this year like they were primed to be it was like this is dana's year like he everything he's done the past three seasons at houston has been leading up to this so the fact that they were, you know, squeaking by, even though I like UTSA, I really do I think they're a really good team. Um, I just think that with the hype that Houston had, I agree with you. They kind of should have dominated a bit yeah. more, in my opinion. Um, the only other game that I want to talk about that's not, from what I can see on our rundown to talk about, is Clemson Georgia Tech, which I actually didn't really get a chance to watch. But it mm-hmm. it further cemented the little bit that I did see 
further cements in my opinion that Clemson will probably win the ACC and are not nearly as good as they once were. Like, I think DJ Uyunglele is going to get um, Kelly Bryanted. I think so too. I, Which yeah. it makes me sad, but it it probably it needs to happen because they, they 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 kicked Georgia Tech's butt in that game and they didn't mm-hmm. look good. No, so it's one of those things. Like, I feel like they're gonna win the ACC because, but at the same time, like this this team is, in my opinion, not in playoff conversation. Like, yeah, I agree. I completely until, agree. Until they can show another quarterback has the goods, they're out of it for me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Let's move to a team that does have the quarterback that has the goods. That is our beloved Florida Gators, and that quarterback that I'm speaking of is his name is him from now on. Anthony Richardson <laughs> is him unequivocally uninterrupted unquestioned quarterback number one in Gainesville um the hype is real Tyler Florida 29 Utah 26 a an instant classic in the swamp if if I do say so myself Tyler incredible game incredible Incredible. what are your thoughts on on the magnificent Um, game Florida definitely could have lost this game um there's a real world like like an amazing play to end it. Let's not forget how amazing that play is because of what could have happened. Like to, Mm -hmm. yeah, like picking off in the end zone as they're driving to take the lead. Amazing for Amari Bernie and the Gators. They were also backed up into their own end zone, trying to prevent the guys, uh, the Utah Utes from taking the lead. So like, and don't, and don't forget earlier on that same drive, Ventrell Miller drops an interception that was in his hands. I lost 40 yards good, the other direction. I lost a good month off my life from that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, like, I was I was at a bar, a packed bar, like, watching this. This place had more TVs than a Best Buy, and we had to ask for one to turn this game on. <laughs> uh, well, it's because you're in a Big Ten town, Tyler. You're uh, in a Big Ten you town. You know, it's funny you say that because um, <laughs> most of the TVs had the Alabama – we're on the SEC Network – had the Alabama-Utah mm-hmm. State game. And I'm like, guarantee no one is watching this. The yeah. Notre Dame Ohio State game was on two small TVs. We had to ask for the Florida one. Um, which what was on the other TVs? The Real Housewives? Like I'm confused as to what else could be on on a Saturday I saw night. Four straight TVs with the SEC Network on, but it didn't seem like anyone was watching it. Oh, do you know what that is? Eventually, That's the, that... eventually they turned the Dodgers game on, and that I understood. Um, okay, because of where I live, like mm-hmm. um, I will, I'll be okay with that because I'm, you know, it's College Football Saturday, but it is a Dodgers town. Um, yes. Regardless, funny thing. Uh, so the Utah running back, uh, number mm-hmm. two, Michael Bernard, uh, his cousin was at that bar and was watching the game. Um, and oh, I did not know up, that. Like, um, he was just like, yeah, I'm rooting for Utah. I don't usually, but my cousin's the running back. And like, I straight up said to him when uh, Cameron Rising threw the interception, it's like, they should have ran it. Um, <laughs> they ran it, she gave it to your cousin. And he was like, you're damn right. <laughs> um, but incredible game. I would not be surprised if Florida has one of the best red zone offenses in the country. Um, just, I was really impressed with, with what I saw on offense. Um, very good running game. Anthony Richardson, you know, is the guy. Um, he didn't have to throw much. When he did, he looked very, like, it looked very competent. He had more accuracy than I saw last season. We always knew he had the arm. It seemed like he knew where he wanted to go. Um I will say, I mean, on credit to Utah, Utah, I think, is a good team. It's going to be do very well in the Pac-12. They could have easily won this game. Um, I do want – I was a little personally – one of my takeaways was that I, 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 our defense needs to definitely learn how to wrap up. Um, and I want to give this defense credit because there was two times that Utah was down in the goal line and came away with zero points. Like – and that's a good. That's a that was an offense that we probably we could not stop in short yardage, and we stopped him on the goal line twice. Um, but I will say it's a, it is a it's a thing where like you're still you're still working Billy Napier, you're still working with uh, uh, Grantham defensive players. And well, well, when you when you look at the roster that was on the field during those goal line or those red zone stops, there were a lot of young guys, including true freshman players, that were in there. So. Not only is it is it um, yeah he's dealing with some of Grantham's guys kind of thing, but there's a lot of great talent on there. One of Grantham's guys, quote unquote, Ventrell Miller, the in my opinion, 
unequivocal leader of that defense and was severely missed when he was out last year due to injury. I wonder if it would have gone differently if he was there in um, in the middle linebacker position. But alas, yep. a lot of those young guys, man, really nice to yep. see, really great for recruits, um, stuff like I that. Will- it really does show. And you know, it's funny because Cameron Rising is a good quarterback and he got he made um, some great plays to Coot. I don't know how to say the tight end's name. Keithy? Keithy? I don't know. I'm, we're going to go Keithy because I also Keithy. don't know how to say his name. It was it was not – it did not go unnoticed by me that almost all of Utah's passing production came specifically to their tight end on the linebackers. Um, the secondary held its own today. And, I mean, I know that Keithy is like their number one passing option and they had to replace some wide receivers. But I didn't see, you know, no real big plays from the wide receivers by Utah. Like um, our corners, it, it, it down. shows Corey Raymond coming you know, over from doing. LSU shows and also shows, which we'll mention later on shows on the LSU side as well. How Corey Raymond leaving kind of has an impact. Young guys, five star, former five star players, guys like Jason Marshall out there. You're right. The secondary yeah. more than held. Its I was own. like, I was worried that I wasn't seeing anything from them. And I was also like, they're just not even throwing to the wide receivers. Yeah, like, yeah. Which is, you know, I, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if people started targeting the Florida defense, the secondary, I should say, because I think they know that they're young, but they know that they're good. So yeah. they had that good reputation. Yeah, I don't want to. I will say this one thing: Florida jumped up to number twelve. We talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little too high. I, I, I do think, as well. I think that's a bit of an over. I was expecting like seventeen. Mm-hmm. 12 is interesting to me because I don't feel like we're a number 12 team in the country just yet. I just need to see more because, you know, if I would have felt that way, if we were able to lock down Utah's offense a little bit more. Um, and like, I was very impressed with our offense, not really any notes beyond things that, you know, can get worked out. It's the first game and to put up that showing in the first game, amazing Anthony Richardson, take a bow. But the defense was a little like, yeah, a team, I could see a team getting us, you know, if we, if we don't yeah. learn to like wrap up. Um, I agree. But I, I do think there was team. positives. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. There's, it is a young team, and I think there's a lot of positives. The offensive line was night and day from last season. Let's oh be God. 100% real. The running game was night and day from last year. I mean, I mean you got Anthony Johnson. Richardson with these running backs, that's why I said that I would not be surprised if Florida has one of the best red zone offenses in the country this season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, and, and guys like Ricky Pearsall really showed up. I mean, led, led the wide receiver room and – in uh, yards, Xavier Henderson, six receptions, led the team in receptions. None more clutch than on that last drive to go ahead, a third and four bubble screen that he just ran his way through and got those four yards by hook or by crook. So young guys that can really get it done. Um, I like your take about the red zone and just the fact that rushing-wise, uh, Travis Etienne, or Trevor Etienne, I'm sorry, I'm so used to saying Travis, Trevor Etienne, oh my gosh, what a running back. Man, man can move. Man has has the ability to get out there. Clearly, him and his brother are are some some generational. Um, whatever whatever was going on with that family, man. This they might be the uh, the running back version of the Townsends. Like, come on, man. Like, just incredible. It's possible. It's possible. Just incredible. Um, and then I think we should close with this and, and move forward. But like you said, Anthony Richardson, take a bow, young man. Just it, it's it's so refreshing. And I'm not going to be that guy that goes back and goes. Can you believe mulling this note? I've moved on. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna let these good moments bring me back to a place of, um, just just true sadness as a fan, um, because I could look back and say if only he made that change and this and that, whatever. Which I do think is a bit of a revisionist history. I think there are a lot of factors going into it. I don't but think last, that doesn't change the fact that you know Todd Grantham was our defensive coordinator. Exactly. Doesn't change the fact that Ventro Miller was out for the whole season. Doesn't change a lot of things. You know. Um, and I think it's, it's just important. I loved hearing Billy talk in the, in the uh, post game, uh, on the sideline there. I love seeing the swamp rocking in that first game. There are a lot of big time recruits there for the game and just, just in, in, in as good of an opening day performance as it could have gone, in my opinion, as I, good I as, as good, there. as good as a first game in the Billy Napier tenure as could have been. I mean, on in your first game, you went, you beat a top 10 team at home. A goal line interception, like you can't really ask for much more as a fan. Like Billy yeah. Napier's air is off to a hot start. So hope we can keep it going against next, next week against Kentucky. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I've got some things that I, I want this team to be better. But like, it's all stuff that 
is very apparent to me like, oh, it's his first year, Billy Napier's first year with a new team with a lot of young guys. Like, it's things that are going to have to get sorted out. And, um, but I, I believe in the potential of this team. I don't want to play the game because I don't want to take up the time. But next week, depending on what happens in the Kentucky game, we might have to replay the game with the Gators. I just want to point that out, Tyler. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's move forward. Week one, five wide. Let's talk about these games quickly. West Virginia 31, Pittsburgh 38. It kicked off the regular season Thursday night. The backyard brawl was back. I have never been happier watching a football game that the Gators didn't overwhelmingly like give bring me joy. I've been the happiest moments in my like college football fandom have been the Ole Miss game from 2015. When we went to the Auburn game in 2019, the Tennessee games that I experienced at home, you, you know, the Georgia win that one year we weren't supposed to win and Treon Harris, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. Those were like my favorite moments. This might have been the happiest I was with a non-Florida Gator like moment. I Watching this game was so much fun. Um, did you see the post-game like interview with Scott Van Pelt that um, the Pittsburgh coach had, Tyler? No, I didn't. I I need you to look it up. Listeners, if you haven't seen it, I need you to look it up. He straight up on Scott Van Pelt was like, you know, ESPN, you guys, uh, the, the media was saying that, you know, this was going to be a 75% West Virginia crowd, which wasn't wasn't true. Um, and, and and it was also like they were like, oh, no, yeah, and, and you guys counted us. Basically, us against the worlding uh, Scott Van Pelt. And Scott Van Pelt had to be like, yeah, man, like, uh, I don't know anything about that stuff. I just want to know how you're feeling after the game. And he kind of really took the opportunity to hammer down uh, this narrative. And I just thought it was peak petty rivalry. Um, this was every single person involved in this game. It was their first backyard brawl. And they definitely all read the memo. They definitely got the email that said how big of a deal it was. Um, and it really felt like it. That crowd was to- incredible. The game lived up to it. Like it, it was, did. Oh, it did. so it was so awesome. Um, I, there's just there are some moments. I mean, like West Virginia and Pittsburgh both looked like they could have taken it at some point, but that mm-hmm. I don't know. This is why this is why you watch college football games like this. Absolutely, and then the way it ended with the JT Daniels throwing a really good pass, and then the pit wide receiver or West Virginia wide receiver, excuse me, whose name is escaping who'd, me, who had been killing it mm-hmm. all night. Who had been killing it the whole night. And then on the next drive, when he was trying to get them back into it, had a couple of really good plays. Like, he's a good player. He just hadn't made a mistake. The ball goes through his hands, hits him on the helmet, bounces up in the air. The pit defensive back grabs it and takes it all the way back for a touchdown. The stadium erupted, and that was the last score. Like, it was the perfect way to have the game-winning touchdown in the backyard brawl. I'm so excited for next year when they play that game in Morgantown. Just chef's kiss. Um, I'm I'm so happy with it, Tyler. Then I'm not even mad that I lost this pick. You picked Pittsburgh, and I went with West Virginia. Um, I'm just so happy you I get the point. You with your heart, not your head. You know what? You know what? I I also may or may not have allegedly. Actually, no, I don't allegedly. I was in Virginia. It's legal. I placed a West Virginia plus seven and a half bet, and that half point came in just mwah, the clutchest, the clutchest ways. So I'm happy with it, man. I'll take this one. I go. will take this. Um. A game that went in a much different direction than the one we just talked about. Uh, Oregon took on Georgia. And uh, to call it a football game might be a little bit generous to Oregon. Uh, because I thought, was, I thought this was like a joint practice, joint practice scrimmage. Joint practices? Yeah. <laughs> like the training camp, NFL training yeah. camp, joint practices? Yeah, like a hard knocks. Thing. Georgia won this uh, contest 49-3. to It was in Atlanta, so it was a de facto home game for, for the dogs. Um Bo Nix going to Bo Nix, I guess. Is that what I have to say? Well, I um, love how it's just like Bo Nix is going to a weaker conference with uh, on a weaker team and is going up against a, you know, the pri- previous national champions. He will do better than he did at Auburn. Like, no. Yeah, um, no. He did no. worse, markedly. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, here's one thing. Stetson Bennett looked good this game. He did. He, I, 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 will, I, I will say this. He did look good, but he did not look good enough for me to say I was wrong about Stetson Bennett. No, I, I still believe that in that quarterback room with Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels, JT Daniels is the better quarterback. I, I would love to read the book 
that goes into what happened that Kirby Smart didn't pick JT Daniels as a starter. Um, it, it's not a matter of uh, Stetson Bennett. It's not a matter of Georgia won because Stetson Bennett was so good. No, no. Georgia won a Nationals championship in spite of having Stetson Bennett at quarterback. And I will continue to die on that hill. That is fair. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I will note that uh, Georgia scored every single time they got the football in this game. Um, seven drives. Seven, seven drives, seven touchdowns. touchdowns. And, you know, Stetson Bennett looked good. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not, you know, he ain't Bryce Young. But he beat Bryce Young that one time, which really was the Georgia defense beat, beat Bryce Young. And exactly. Just, I don't know. He, he looks better is all I'm saying. There, there is a skill to legitimately game managing. Like I'm not saying that that's – you know, that's being well, quarterback He made quarterback some big-time throws. He made some big-time throws. He did. He has the ability, so we'll leave it I at mean, that. I mean, Bo Nix made some big-time throws in the, in the wrong way, though, so that kind of helped him. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we don't need to talk we both We've talked Georgia. too much about this game. Absolutely. We both pick Georgia. We both get the points on this one. Cincinnati 24, Arkansas 31. We both picked Arkansas. We both get the points. I do want to mention here, defensively, this was a really good game. This game was 14 to nothing going into halftime, but the second of Arkansas's touchdowns came with like a minute left in the second half. So for the majority of the first half, this was a defensive slugger, uh, slugfest back and forth, which is something that you expect a coach like Luke Fickle to have his team in. I understand, and the reason that we both picked Arkansas was because of the lack of um, – the question marks at both the defensive side of the ball and at quarterback for Cincinnati after being with such an elite secondary and with such a tenured quarterback in um, that they had before that whose name is Desmond escaping Ritter. Right now. Desmond Ritter, thank you so much. Appreciate it. With Desmond Ritter. Um but they held their own. I was very surprised. I think it shows it's a good it's good for me in in terms of in the future if I want to look at games in the American. I think Cincinnati isn't taking a step back completely in the conference, but they definitely have the potential to go ahead and repeat as conference champions. In my opinion, that's what I took from this entire game. What did you take from it? Uh, yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, my opinion of Cincinnati improved. I was like, okay, it's still Luke Fickle coached. It's still, you know, it's still going to be good. I'll say uh, my opinion of Arkansas was a little like, hmm. I feel like Arkansas, for what I thought they would be able to do, would have put this game away by a little bit more, a little bit earlier. Now, I don't know how that, if that means that I should think less of Arkansas or just, you know, think more of Cincinnati. I think it's more of the think more of Cincinnati. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, like, good showing for both teams. Uh, you know, tough game. I think it was Arkansas kind of had control of the game the whole time, but Cincinnati didn't let them stay out of didn't didn't let themselves stay out of it. So it's good for them. Positive signs for Cincinnati. We'll see if it's you know just you know as we expected for Arkansas. If it's a sign that maybe they're not as good, I'm not really quite sure what to think. Yeah, I think I think that's an appropriate way of describing it. Um. I'm a little bit more bullish on Arkansas because I really do think Sam Pittman's a really good coach. And even yeah. though they lose someone like Traylon Burks uh, to the well, NFL. I, th- I I still think that they're the second best team in the SEC West. Okay. Like, okay, like, well, okay we're changing. on the same page then. That's yeah, not we're changing. on the same page. It's just that, like, that ceiling, I don't know if they have the ceiling. Maybe I have a little bit less smaller opinion of their ceiling, but I still think they're clearly the best, second best team in the SEC West. Great way to put it. I agree. We both get the points on that one. Notre Dame 10, Ohio State 21. We both picked Ohio State. We get the points on that one. Tyler, this game was much closer than any of us thought it would be. So, yes. So, credit to Notre Dame for staying in this game as long as they did. I didn't think it was possible. They were leading at halftime. They were leading at halftime. They were up 10 to 7. Ohio State, what are you doing? Aren't you supposed to get off the bus and drop 40? I mean, credit to Marcus Freeman. Like, Notre Dame was just like, we will play – we are going to play one type of game in this in this day. We're going to play an absolute slugfest. You will not be scoring 40 on us. We may only score 10 points, but you will not be scoring 40. And they played that, and it worked. But I was expecting a little bit more out of Ohio State's offense. And I, I, I mean, think they really kind of locked it up at the end. And it kind of even though it was only an 11 point game, it, Notre Dame wasn't wasn't beating them after halftime. No, but, and and even when they were down 10 to seven, I didn't think ohio state was in any trouble 
I didn't it, think it there just was felt like a matter of time. Like exactly. Notre Dame. I, I think this game says more. It said it, this is a rare game where both teams come away from this looking really good because I think Notre Dame comes away looking good because of the way that they were able to defensively maintain one of the arguably the best offense that we've seen, um, you know, over the course of the last year or two years. Um, but then also Ohio State was able to say, okay, someone figured us out. That's fine. We're perfect. We're going to get God one time. But what we, what we're so good that we're going to be able to make those adjustments on the fly in the first half. You had CJ Stroud throwing the ball all over the place. They're trying to throw. They're trying to throw. Blah blah blah. Second half, both of their touchdowns in the second half, the only touchdowns in the second half, came on double-digit play drives that took six, seven minutes to materialize. The winning, the game-winning drive, or the the go-ahead touchdown to make it um, twenty-one to ten was like a, a fourteen-play, seven and something-minute drive. That went 90 yards or 95 yards. It was just a masterclass of we are going to take over the game. We are going to control this and we are the better team. We're going to suffocate you out of this game. So for me, it was positives on both sides, personally. Yeah, I mean, I I thought Notre Dame was going to get smoked and they didn't get smoked in the way that I thought they were going to get smoked. Um, yep, it was a 17 and a half point line and they did yep. not lose by that. I mean, my only thing is that, like, yes, I just want to find. I think it. I think Ohio State having such low production was a product of Notre Dame deciding that they were going to play them one way and forcing them to play that way. Mm-hmm. I want to be I, again. It's week one. I want to see if that is if this is the one. You know, the exception. They played a really good team and they had to play outside their box, or if I should be worried that CJ Stroud, you know, isn't taking that step that I want him to. Yeah, I would lean on the former. But I agree with you. I think time see, I will think tell. it is the former, but it's been one game. So I want to see if this becomes a pattern. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And then finally, to wrap up five wide, FSU 24, LSU 23. This game took place on Sunday. I was at a family function. Um, Tyler was texting me some updates on this. Uh, Tyler, why don't you tell us how this game uh, wrapped okay. up at the end? It is actually a genuine miracle that LSU only lost this game by one point. Um, I mean, I don't mean to say that FSU looks great because I don't think they look great, but FSU was running circles around LSU in this game. Um, LSU looked lost. They looked confused both on defense and offense and FSU. It it like is very clearly improved. Jordan Travis specifically, um, seems very improved. I'm like, this is not a team that I'm going to pick to win the ACC just yet. Um, because I don't know what they're going to do going up against like a Clemson defense or even like a pit offense, but they were so clearly better than LSU. It is a miracle. LSU was in the position they were in Ellis. Jaden Daniels was running for his life. He's running for his life. And it, I would never think that Jaden Daniels would look worse on LSU than he did on at Arizona state. Considering that the is of an athletes. incredible statement that you just made. Wow. J- Jaden Daniels looked like a, a detractor to his offense. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying he's a plus, but he, he had never been a detractor at Arizona state from what I can remember. Um, I mean, the, the offense was anemic. Uh, they couldn't get their best receiver involved at all. Maybe that, maybe that is Jaden Daniels fault. I mean, it's also Brian Kelly offense. So I, I don't know what to think about that. Um, I mean, credit to LSU for getting that final touchdown. It was absolutely hilarious to see the extra point get blocked. Like, you know, as as a Florida fan and as someone who picked LSU, I wanted LSU to win in this game. It, I can't deny that I laughed my butt off. Like, um, when the kick got I, listen, I'll never cheer for I'll never cheer for Florida State. Full stop. I will never cheer for Florida State. But if there's ever a moment when I'm like, okay, I'm I'm all right with FSU winning this game, it is with LSU in the same offseason that they overlooked Billy Napier, and then Billy Napier goes and gets hired by our beloved Florida Gators. LSU goes out and gets arguably one of the most polarizing coaches in college football in Brian Kelly, and they lose because at the last second, with time already expired, they get an extra point blocked, and then in the aftermath of all of this, LSU's best player decides to take off all mention of LSU from his social media and Brian Kelly is openly throwing players under the bus in the press conference. Game Sign one. me up. 
game one. Game one. Game one. And, Just, and, and Tyler, the crazy thing is they haven't even played a game at Death Valley. This game was in New Orleans. They haven't even had a home game, and Brian Kelly's which, already thrown people under the bus. That's the thing. It took LSU's fan base exactly one game to all come to the conclusion that, one, they were silly for passing over Billy Napier. And two, more importantly, in my opinion, they were silly for hiring Brian Kelly at all. Like, hiring Brian Kelly is divorced, in my mind, from the passing that Billy Napier thing. Like, it's not – See, yes, I, I think they're, they are intrinsically tied in my brain. Well, yes. Because but you, do thing, not, you do not hire Brian Kelly unless you pass – on, because remember, Florida hired Billy Napier after LSU hired Brian Kelly. So Napier wanted the LSU job. Let's keep it real. He wanted the LSU no, job. Well, it, my thing is that like it's not just – passing up on Billy Napier is bad enough. You didn't have to go get Brian Kelly. That's and true. You chose, that is true. You chose yeah. to go get Brian Kelly. Yeah. I, I, even if Billy Napier wasn't on the board, I don't think hiring Brian Kelly was the answer. Agreed. <laughs> um, is more what I, I said. Think, I didn't. I think all of us who said this isn't a culture fit, and people said, "Oh, culture fits are overrated." I think we're starting to be vindicated. I know it's game one. This is a quite literally way too early I mean, assessment yeah. of the situation, but I think we are going to be on the right end of history on this, Tyler. I really do think I mean, so. And you know what? I'm so glad because I consider you to be my family, Tyler. <laughs> I really do. I consider you my family. I am. Do you think the people in LSU consider Brian uh, Kelly their family anymore? I I do not want to speak for the LSU fan base, but I will tell you this. Next week's episode, I will get some notes from my cousin Vinny, an LSU alum. Two point, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Again, FSU did good this game. I I don't – my opinion on them is not dramatically improved, but they have very clearly improved as a football team. Yeah. The big takeaway to me from this is that LSU is, in my opinion, just bad. Like, mm-hmm. they will probably win games. They're not that bad. But, like, I don't think they're better than they were last year. Can Can you believe that at this point I, I'm not as concerned about either game, but I will say I am more concerned about the Florida State game being played in Tallahassee on a Friday night than I am with the LSU game. Like, is, isn't it six months ago if I told you I that? I wouldn't have understood that. Exactly. I, I still don't. I'm grappling with it as we speak. I'm working through hey, those emotions. a whole season ago before we even get to I really do. Today. I really do. Um, Tyler, quickly, our two points for this week. You picked Oregon State to beat Boise State. You were vindicated very early in Jonathan this game. Jonathan Smith for the win. Jonathan Smith for the win, man. We've been on that Jonathan Smith train for a while. I'm so glad that He's this is happening. Job. Oregon State 34, Boise State 17. And then I picked Louisville to beat Syracuse. And oh boy, was I wrong. <coughs> Syracuse, Dino Babers coaching for his job. 31 to 7. Scott Satterfield. What's going on, my man? What's going on in Louisville? They got they got UCF. I think you I think they got UCF in the bounce house. I'm gonna check that. While you go ahead, Tyler, and uh, make fun of Louisville, <laughs> I just this is just further proof that if you ever get the App State job, you should never leave it. Like, that's that's uh, a bar. That is a like, bar and a half. This man had everything lined up for him at the App State job. He went to a. How do you go to Louisville after who? Who? What was the coach that uh, was there? P- that was Petrino. Just, uh, Petrino. Yeah, Bobby that's Petrino. Bobby Petrino, and somehow you don't improve. The team? Come Yikes. on, man. Yikes. Yeah, Louisville this Friday is going to UCF. They're playing at the bounce house. It's a Friday night kickoff, 7.30 on ESPN2. UCF is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Oh, boy. Oh, Yikes. boy. Yikes. Tyler, that brings our score from last week and our score to date. Uh, you are up 6-3. to three. Congratulations, my brother. Congratulations. Feels you are good. up 6-3. to three. You double your score. I just mine. want you to realize it is mine. it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Okay, let's let's calm down. I think I have always been behind you at the beginning of the season. So. You do, yeah, yeah. I guess you do. Um, Tyler, before we get into week two, five wide, the Gators are taking on Kentucky. Seven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. It's another night game in the swamp. I read somewhere that I think there's like less than a thousand tickets left. Um, less than a thousand tickets available. So, man, I love this might. That. This might have similar energy to the Utah game. And for those who have never experienced a I – should, I should rephrase this because 
for the longest time, the Kentucky game was always a given W. And until Dan Mullen lost at home since that game, it has been one of those, okay, I'm a little worried about Kentucky. And that is once again, what is happening here. What are, what are you looking for? What do you think will happen in this Kentucky game? That is hopefully another raucous environment like it was last week. So we joked about how last about, we joked last episode about how we actually wanted the home game, the, the ideal environment for the Utah game for in our mind going before it would have been the like noon game because the temperature would have played to the, our the home team's advantage. It did actually play to our advantage, just not as much given that it was a night game. This is a game that I'm actually very happy is a night game because you need that environment in this situation. Home field advantage is going to be huge for us. Um, it always is, but it's going to be huge in this game. I think from what I'm hearing is that Kentucky's had a lot of running backs suspended. They've had a lot of running backs get injured. That's Kentucky's whole thing. Now, Will Levis has been a good college quarterback for them, certainly beat us last year, and he was pretty good for Kentucky last year. What I'm really looking for, again, can the defense wrap up? Can we wrap up? Because we can't be letting these running these Kentucky running backs gaining extra yards. That is going to kill us. That is going to be what does this team in if, if, if they lose this game. More importantly, it's just the offense has got to keep humming. Like, we, we talked about it, that red zone offense. Florida, I don't think, when they got into the red zone, I think they got four straight touchdowns. Um, that's got to that's ha- keep happening. I, I, again, I, wanna see, I also want to see, I don't think Kentucky defense is better, but, Kentucky, but you know, um, their coach is, you know, he's a defensive guy. So I want to see Anthony Richardson, probably he's going to be forced to throw a little bit more. I want to see him open that up. Just yeah, really just taking like a couple extra steps and not going back. Because Billy Napier said in his press conference, like after and not the one immediately after the game, but then one a couple of days later, after you know, rewatching the foot the the tape, he's just like, We were very lucky to win that game. Like, um mm-hmm. in the sense that like there was there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. And yeah, he did notice that the team feels that way. They feel that they won a great game, but they're not conquerors yet. That's Good. the attitude you need to have. Good. That's what they, I agree with you. That's what I'm looking for in this game. I am looking for the Gators to not let the hype of last week get to their head. Fan base, let the fan base, let us take care of being overhyping and all that kind of stuff. Gate the, the team, the staff, the players, the coaches. I I think Napier has established that kind of mentality in that locker room, and I think that they are being led by a very very good man who understands the importance of not letting success get to your head. And it's very easy to be a football player at the University of Florida to have one of those excellent type wins and letting all that the accolades and all the praise and all that stuff get to your head. So I'm looking for that kind of consistency. I'm looking for that kind of understanding that it, you have to be 1-0 each week. It's, it's a cliche for a reason. You got to take every one game at a time. I'm also, along with the linebackers, I'm looking at the defensive front. Kentucky is, like you said, notoriously a running team. That offensive line is always, always, always good. At a minimum, their base level is decent. They're never, they never have a bad offensive line. I'm looking for that front uh, off- that, that front to go ahead and try to get in the backfield, blow up those running lanes. And when Will Levis has to drop back to pass, they can get to the quarterback, they can rush him, and they can do well because the secondary is good enough, like we talked earlier, they're good enough to be back there by themselves. I truly have a lot of faith in that team. I really in that group. I really do. Um, and then I also want to point out, Will Levis, don't get don't confuse NFL draft hype for this quarterback is good. Is uh, I don't want to say confuse it for a good quarterback because by default they're talented. They are good quarterback, but don't confuse NFL hype for college success. I guess that's the way to put it. Because Will Levis has been hyped all offseason for being this, you know, this guy that all the teams that has has the tools, wants to, you know, is good prospect, all that stuff. That doesn't translate necessarily to success on the football field at the collegiate level. And I think that if the Gators allow for that hype to seep in and let him kind of get hot and get cooking, it could be a problem for them, especially with a young defense and or a defense just isn't to par, isn't up to par talent wise with what we could get in the future given Billy Napier's track record with recruiting so far. So that's what I'm going to be looking forward to. That's what I'm going to be looking out for. Um, 
And then, yeah, the offense, like you said, get them, get them moving, get them humming. I love the run game. I would like some more consistency in terms of um, practicality with Billy Napier's play calling. Uh, at times in the in the Utah game, there were some calls where I said, mm, I don't know if I would have called that. But then again, I'm not a football coach. And so he knows more about football than I'll, I'll ever forget. But I would like to feel more comfortable with the play calling as a fan throughout the rest of the game. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Again, it's the first game, and that's usually a cupcake. And now the second game, so it's a Billy big SEC against really game. physical teams at home at night, mm-hmm. which is helpful. And I'm very glad that we Gears were lucky enough to get to those environments, and the fan base seems to be supporting it. Um, yeah, yeah. But these are tough two ways to start to start the the season, start your career at Florida. And if you can go two and zero, that's huge. Hey, the money don't make money. It's very attainable. Being at home is going to be a huge help. I don't know Absolutely. how I feel if this team is on the road. Yep. Uh, uh, Just because I this know is a how series. shows up for that game. And this is a series where the home, home field – this might be one of the most home field advantages so important games in the SEC in, given the series-wise. Like it, playing at Kroger Field is tough, man. It's tough. Playing at the Swamp is tough, especially when we play each other. Because these fan bases have that animosity, not just from football, but from basketball and from baseball. Like these, it, they're two programs that are they're like sleeper rivals. You know, they're not like they won't call each other the number one rival, but they really don't want to lose this game. You know? Yeah. So, all right, let's let's quickly head out. Uh, um, prediction? Do you think, I think Florida win? wins? I do think Florida wins. I think being at home at night. What I saw with the team last week, it's I think Florida will can win this game because I don't think Kentucky is as good as Utah. Yeah, I agree. And we beat Utah. I, I echo and, that. And now, transit property doesn't always work that way. But I do, I look at it, I'm like, Kentucky wants to do similar things to what Utah want to do. Utah had a good quarterback, and all, and Utah was a physical team. Florida beat that team by playing their style. So I think Florida can win this game. I agree. I concur. Um, all right, five wide for week two. Tyler, we begin in Austin, Texas for the Alabama versus Texas game. It's a noon kickoff on Fox. Um, I am going first this week. Uh, no, you are going first this I week first on this five week. wide. I apologize. Uh, Who do you have? What, what guys? Come on. I don't. We don't need to talk about it. Uh, Alabama's going to smoke Texas. Is Texas back? I'm do, I'm doing the, the the Brian Windhorst hand meme. <laughs> the now let's what talk if, about that. Now let's talk about this. Why like, did why Steve that? Sarkeesian go to Texas? After being a coach at Alabama. Now, why is that? <laughs> now, why is that? <laughs> anyway, um, um, no, you, yeah, put, an, put an S. Put an S next to your T. Come on. Let's be real here. What are we doing here? The real question is, do I have to watch the second half? That's the real question that I want to know. So yeah. moving forward, Tennessee is taking on Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. 330 kickoff on ABC. This game looks like a lot of fun, especially if you've been following the ticket allotment stuff that's been going back and forth between the programs. They played a game in Nayland Stadium last year, and I guess like Tennessee allocated, I want to say something like a few thousand, like five thousand tickets for Pitt or um, for the Pittsburgh fans. And then on the reverse side, I think they've allocated maybe like a thousand, twelve hundred, and they put them all like in the upper center, upper bowl level. Um, the, Pittsburgh plays at the Steelers stadium. It's the football stadium in Pittsburgh and stuff. So um, yeah, they're like not happy about it. There's kind of, you know, a little bit of bad, bad, bad blood, I guess, going on forward there. Um, I, you know, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to take Tennessee on the really? road. Yes. Because what I saw last week from the backyard brawl, um, there were some things that I think that a deep ball and a quick offense can exploit. Uh, the, that Pittsburgh defense, because when West Virginia went up tempo at a couple times, they really had a lot of success doing it. Um, when JT Daniels kind of threw the ball deep, they had some success. There were a lot of drops in that first in that backyard brawl game, but they were there. You know, I like Hendon Hooker, um, and I think the Tennessee offense is good enough to be able to kind of put this out of reach and not have this boring, methodical uh, Pittsburgh offense. I don't think they're going to be able to catch up, you know, like I think if they're down, if they're down 14, 17 points, I really think it's over. I don't think there's enough time for them to catch up, especially with how Tennessee can score at will, you know, that you say that all. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to keep riding this pit train. 
do it um, as far as he do can it. take me. I'm riding the Keydown Slovis train, and I'm gonna have at it. it. Have uh, at it. I mean, also, I just I refuse to believe in uh, Tennessee. I refuse. To I refuse to believe in Tennessee long term. I think this is good enough to get them I mean, immediate like flash in the pan win. success. This does feel like a game that they could win. Yes, um, and it's a lot of flash in the pan success stuff. That that's kind of how hype is. I think it's like, whoa, yeah. what is this offense? What's going on? And then you kind of get progressively worse, in my opinion. Um, all right, moving forward. App State taking on Texas A and M three thirty kickoff on ESPN two. Tyler, you have the first pick. What do you want? Okay, I'm not a huge believer in Texas A and M. Um, long term, preach, kind of, preach. Like, I'm just not a huge believer in this team's ability to compete this year. Um, App State looked really good last week. In like, now is that due to the fact that North Carolina's defense is, you know, I guess plays football. Um, I arguably, guess plays football. I, arguably, <laughs> like, um, they have helmets and pads. I mean, I I call it cardio. They're just running around. Like, yeah, um, man, it's it's rough. Uh, and you know, Chase Bryce had like over ten yards per you know attempt, and like that's not good. Um, right. But I don't know. Like, I'm not a believer in them long term, but it, it's at Texas A&M, right? It is. Yes, it is at Kyle Field. I think I'm going to have to go with Texas A&M because I don't want to. I want to believe in the App State upset. But coming off that emotional game last week to Texas A&M, who I do think is better than North Carolina, I don't know if I can believe in that. I'm, I'm with you. I hear that. I'm going to take Texas A&M as well, and I'm going to take it because I really want to push the narrative that App State is the best 0-2 team in the country. Because um, I, I really do like App State. I liked what I saw in that North Carolina game. They got a lot of gut, a lot of grit. I hope I'm wrong here, and I hope we get a massive upset. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think AM, while I'm not a believer long term and not a believer in terms of AM being one of the top teams or you know being able to compete in the SEC West kind of thing, I do think that they're they got better talent and good enough to beat app state in that sense so i'll take them there uh tyler this is your game iowa state taking on iowa four o'clock kickoff with the big 10 network cyhawk is coming in um i know now i I get the first pick right i gotta watch this game you have to of course it's it's i'm sure every home in los angeles gets the big 10 network included for free right i'm I'm sure of it of course Um, you pick. First I go first them, here. Right? Yeah, you pick first. This, this is listen. This is one of those I don't need any information to make the pick. We got to, we got to draw our, we got to draw battle lines here. I'll take Iowa. I know you. I'll take Iowa for the pod, for the content, Tyler. For, for the, the content, content, I will take Iowa. For the content, even for, even though this is arguably the worst offense in the country because no. they scored seven points last week on a field goal and two safeties against an FCS team. They also Let punted eight times. Just peak Iowa, man. Um, Just peak Iowa. Look, solely for the narrative, the bit, the content, um, you know, the sake of our history, will I pick Iowa State? Because even though the fact that Iowa did only scored seven points on a field goal and two safeties, that has not stopped them from winning this game before. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) Very true. But I will take Iowa State because those are my boy. Matt Campbell's my boy, and uh, I have to believe in them, even though they have never, they have vindicated me a lot, but not in this game. Um, <laughs> no, not in this one. But I'm gonna keep not believing. I will say, if there's ever a year where this game goes your way, I think this might be it. What's that classic thing where it's like the year after they really needed it, it shows up? <laughs> yeah, this oh, is a yeah, classic absolutely. thing with rivalry games. Like, um, it's the next yeah. year, the year that the year after when it was all supposed to work out. That's when you beat your rival. Like, <laughs> happens all the time. Like, yeah. Last one on the five wide, Tyler Baylor. Taking on BYU. Baylor's ranked ninth. BYU's ranked twelfth. Ten fifteen kick on ESPN. This is like this is a prime time game being put in the Pac twelve after dark slot, and I absolutely love this for us. Um, Tyler, you get to pick first. Who do you got? Man, right? Like I don't Tough know to what pick. to think. Like they both had blowout wins against bad teams in week one. So again, they both I have really good coaches. Both do have really good coaches. Um, gosh, I really don't. I don't know what to pick here um, because I could see both of these teams winning. 
I think I am going to have to go with um, – I think I'm going to have to go with Baylor on this one because I really like Dave Aranda. I like that defense. Um, Baylor was so close to the playoff last year. I think I'm going to go with Baylor. Does me telling you that this game is being played in Salt Lake City change your mind? No, because I already said it. Okay, perfect. I was not paying attention. I'm a bad friend. I'm so sorry. Uh, I will be taking BYU. I will be taking BYU. This is – I think Baylor's the better team overall, uh, but I BYU think BYU is not an easy place to play. So no, it is not. No, it is not. We have talked. We joked about this before. They pack their stadium all the time, and those yeah. fans are loud and raucous. <laughs> and the craziest part about it is that they're all sober, so they're doing all this crazy stuff without any influence of alcohol in them, which Insane. I respect. I commend. Um, all right, two points. Two points. Ooh, okay. My two point. My two point. I go first. Um, so there's two games I want to pick. Okay. One of them is being one of them is one of the last games to kick off this week, and one of them is one of the first games to kick off this week. Uh, I think what I'm gonna have to do is go with one of the first games to kick off out of out of a pure emotional play, out of uh, something that I believe will happen, um, and out of goodwill to a group of uh, friends of mine that uh, attended a certain university directional school. Let me remind everyone that it is a directional, directional university school, not the flagship university of the great state of Florida. Okay. Not that one. Not that, not the team that beats top 10 teams in their own home when they come in all hyped up and immediately skyrocket into the top 15 of the AP ranking. Not that one, but UCF, I will be taking UCF over Louisville at home on Friday night. The game kicks off at 7.30 Eastern. It is on ESPN2. UCF is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, they played last week on Thursday against, you know, a nobody. And John Rice Plumley looked pretty decent. I'm not going to lie. Granted, it was against, you know, lower competition. But I am I mean, excited Louisville to see what he does to this Louisville lower, defense. Louisville, Louisville could be considered lower competition. Shots fired, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so that's my pick. Tyler, I'm going to assume you're going to pick the game that I wasn't going to pick. I'm hoping. It's got you energy written all over it. So. Is, are you talking about Mississippi State-Arizona game? I'm not. I'm not talking about that game. I'm trying to figure out what I game you're talking not. about. <laughs> the game right be- right before that. Oh. Oh, see, I there it is. Oh. <laughs> I, I had an SEC pick, but... I think I might go with this one. Give me a second as I talk through this because podcasting is visual medium. Of um, course it is. You know what? Yeah, I'm going I'm to stick with what's working for me. Um, I'm not going to do my previous pick, and I actually really like this game. So the Oregon State Beavers are playing the Fresno State Bulldogs. And that might not sound like an interesting game, but both those teams are 1-0, and Fresno State ain't no slouch. They still And Jake, mm-hmm. Hain, Jake Hainer is still there. And he threw for almost 400 yards last week. Um... But you know I can't doubt Jonathan Smith, so I'm gonna go with the Oregon State over the Fresno State Bulldogs. My my guy, I know you so well. I'm so proud of myself. That was the play I would have made, to be honest. That, that was that the play I would have made. It would have been a good one. It would have been a good one to make. Um, I, I wanted right, to so re- Kansas State over Missouri. Okay, I almost went Tyler, and I kid you not, I almost went. I'm pulling it up here. Kansas over West Virginia. Wow. <laughs> Almost. Almost, that, but I did not, and I was that's smart. very smart that you didn't do that. <laughs> it was genius of me not doing that. Um, all right, recapping five wide. We got Bama taking on Texas at noon on Fox. We both have Bama. Tennessee taking on Pittsburgh at 3.30 on ABC. I have Tennessee. Tyler has Pittsburgh. App State taking on Texas A&M at 3.30 on ESPN2. We both have the Aggies. Cyhawk, Iowa State, taking on Iowa, 4 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Tyler has his beloved Iowa State Cyclones, and I begrudgingly have the worst offense in college football in the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know, they'll still probably win. <laughs> Just saying. And then, Baylor, and then Baylor takes on BYU in a battle of top 15 ranked teams. 10-15 kickoff Eastern on ESPN. Tyler has Baylor. I have BYU. And our two points for this week are UCF over Louisville for myself. That is a Friday night kickoff, 7.30 on ESPN2. And Tyler has the Oregon State Beavers beating Fresno State on the road, 10.30 Eastern kickoff, Saturday night on CBS Sports Network. 
Tyler, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Sideline Judgment. Do you have any other things you want to hit before we call it a night? I mean, college football's back, so I mean, I'm personally very happy. Um, I didn't, I fell straight back into the podcast. Like, I had listened to a oh, couple, yeah. and then like after Saturday, I was just like, well, I will be listening to all of the recap podcasts because <laughs> uh, I'm fully back in, and there is a deficit of college football content out here on the west coast um oh yes yeah you would, oh, you're not you you're not think. inundated by the sec and acc networks at all times like i am down here um did you see by the way that like ucla had like one of the worst attendances like ever they like adver- they they said it was like twenty one thousand, and they someone tweeted the picture and quite i can guarantee you i have seen bigger crowds of south florida high school football games can guarantee i don't you. doubt it yeah yeah, I'm not even joking. Like I've I've been to college high school football games that have had bigger crowds than what was at the Rose Bowl um, on Saturday. So. Man, I just can't believe these people have the Rose Bowl and just refuse to go to it. And in fairness, I know. Right? Here to be completely fair with you, it's hot in LA right now. Um, I believe you. I it is, believe it you. is 109 outside right now in the Valley. So did you um, see the Did you see the San Diego State University brand new stadium that they have down there in San Diego? And it was like 102 degrees, and there's absolutely zero shade and coverage in that stadium. So it looked like it was empty. It It looked like it was empty, and then like there was a TikTok, and you go through like the you know the underneaths of the stadium, the concessions, the bathroom, and it's packed with people just looking for shade. It like it was like inhumane condition. I don't know how you build a stadium in Southern California and don't have like shade and cover for it that's the thing i tend to people i tend as growing up in like the humid heat that is florida i tend to think Mm -hmm. when people think it's hot out here they're over exaggerating because i'm just like guys it's not that hot it's hot (laughs) this is the (laughs) hottest part of the year um yeah my ac is currently set to 69 degrees and it is 82 degrees in this apartment not because the ac isn't working (laughs) um nice it is trying it's hard trying it's hardest and it's not going well um well I, I'm I'm hoping that you can get that fixed uh, for for your own health and safety. I'm, um, yeah, I'm currently if you if you look closely, I'm like sweating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna call it we're gonna call this episode so you can go get some some water and, and maybe get some AC. Uh, this has uh, we'll be back next week uh, recapping what happened to week two, previewing what happened to week three, um, and uh, yeah, anything else you want to say or we good to sign off, my friend? I'm good. I mean, I'm just happy. Happy college football's back. I have to reiterate that, like, I went to go see this game at, like, a packed bar that the, the Florida game at a packed bar that, like, nobody was watching the game at. So we had to change it. Afterwards, I sat in my car and was on Twitter for, like, an hour because I was just so, like, I wanted to be in Gainesville and, like, experience I it. love it. I yelled when the interception happened. And my mom goes, Are you? My mom was like, Please stop. And Ra- Raul stepped up because I was with my mom and Raul last week. Raul stepped up and was like, I mean, like, did you see what happened? <laughs> He was like, was a moment can you blame to scream. Him? Yeah, yeah. He was like, can you blame him? And my mom was like, no, okay, you're good. Yeah, like me, uh, I'm sure that me and Lucas, uh, my gay friend from college that I was seeing it with, were probably given looks because we yelled openly um, in the yeah. bar. And like, I, couldn't, I, I was just looking at the TV, so I couldn't like focus on anything else. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure we were getting looks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, Tyler, I hope that no one gets looks while they're listening to this podcast as part of their college football consumption. Um, We'll be back next week previewing week three, reviewing week two, and uh, updating you on all the news in the college football world. With all that being said, Tyler, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. We are not biased, Tyler, but go Gators. Go Gators. Anthony Richardson for Heisman. (laughs) 